Hello, everyone, and welcome to um, the podcast, which we'll be talking about anxiety, stress, and overwhelm. I wanted to introduce the hosts for this time. You're joined by Sam Eddy. Sam is an executive career and um, career coach and counsellor, and I'm Katie Walls, um, offering complementary health and wellbeing practitioner. Um, so this is quite a big topic, anxiety, stress, and overwhelm. Um, but before we do that, just a couple of housekeeping aspects. This segment is going to be recorded and you will be um, emailed out the recording. So um, if anything happens with uh, this time from being able to hear us or, or with what's happening your end, you'll definitely be able to recap by listening to this, um, this audio. And what we'd really like to do is offer the opportunity for you to ask questions at any stage. You'll see the question box um, in front of you, just simply typing in your question and we'll be referring back to that. Sam and I will both be referring throughout this time that we've got. So welcome everyone. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy busy schedules to be focusing on your health and your well-being and um, bringing some balance um, into your lives. And um, please, yeah, don't hold back with those questions because anything you're asking will be something relative to all of us in our, in our various ways. So welcome, Sam. Thanks, Katie. It's um, yeah, it's good to be here and to talk about such a big topic and something that um, I'm sure we've all been touched by in some form, whether it be anxiety, stress, or just being a bit overwhelmed. Yeah, definitely. And I think because of that, and because it's such a, it's really a, a worldwide epidemic, we could say. And I definitely see um, stress and anxiety is increasing in people's lives. And you see that in practice. You see that in workplaces. You see it in families. We're seeing it with um younger and younger children now beginning to become very stressed over exams you know in in third grade and fourth grade I definitely that wasn't my experience um, more and more teenagers unfortunately are on antidepressants and having symptoms that you would normally see later in life so from a, a family perspective it's, it's a great one to explore um, in our relationships as well and very much on that individual basis too yeah, exactly. I mean, what, why do you think it is so prevalent now? Um, I think we talk about in our overview um, when we were putting together this, we talked about, you know, you know, what's normal? Is it normal to be stressed these days? Um, so I was just curious as to what you thought, Katie, on that. Yeah. I know I've got some, a few ideas on it. Yeah, I love, I love what you're saying is what is normal. So um, we've, we've put together a few presentations and discussions on this and the symptoms of anxiety we're so used to and they may and it'd be great if we can just talk about it a little bit from a body perspective of what is anxiety because often people don't realize what they are experiencing is anxiety and then how that how that presents which can be different from person to person it could simply mean waking up in the morning and instead of just being with yourself going into your to-do list and going through everything you need to do and quite often people will wake up with that anxiety that they've actually slept with during the night. Then they wake up in the morning, they're already thinking about their day, they're in the shower, already, you know, a bit of anxiousness is starting about getting everything prepared out the door, starting work. So we, we're a bit distorted as to what is normal. What does it feel like to breathe your own breath and not have any of that running um, in your system? And, you know, we're, we're raised with, parents that are doing their best but quite often especially you see it with um, women that are that are anxious and how that then affects their children and you often see then children um, develop anxious behavior as well because that's you know they're they're picking up on it and they're thinking well something mustn't be right here and it's not a topic that is widely spoken about and um, you know there can be a bit of taboo around I'm anxious I'm stressed or I'm not dealing with life where in fact it's the complete opposite your body is telling you something isn't right. Your body is telling us that we're not supporting ourselves to the depth that we need to, hence why these symptoms come up, being raciness, or it could be um, your heartbeat is elevated. It could be you're breathing more rapidly, but you just think that that's normal. It could be headaches. It could be tension in the shoulders. Um, and and they're, they're the more... Um, you know, not as severe symptoms, and then it can go to really feeling like you're having a heart attack or feeling like you just can't cope anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's, um, it's, it can be quite scary too, um, anxiety, and 
you talked about people sort of thinking that they can be having a heart attack when they're stressed or they get a physical symptom of stress. And I guess um, that's why anxiety is so debilitating for so many people, because as you said before, anxiety doesn't just happen one day. So stress tends to build up over time. And as you say, it really affects the body. It can make your, your nervous system really tired. And the more tired it gets and the more it builds up, um, that stress can then turn into anxiety. And what can start happening is those physical symptoms will start to manifest. So you might be sitting at your desk at work and your heart starts to race. You might get some palpitations. Um, you might you might start to sweat a bit. You get that, that feeling of needing to go to the toilet or whatever it may be. And it can be um, to something that's seemingly in a, you're in a normal situation, but these symptoms start to develop. So I guess that's a good indication, as you say, your body's saying, hang on, this is, you know, this stress is, stress could be a normal in everyday life, but that's when it's starting to tick over into something like anxiety, where um, it's starting to give you a warning to say, hang on, your body's really tired, your nervous systems are being a bit worn out here. Um, so it's a good, it's a, I guess it's, t it's good to take that as a signal to try and do something about it. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And um, we're so used to overriding those signals that it then becomes our normal. And it could yes. be that you just have a feeling that you've never got enough time. That That's an anxiousness in itself. You're always, you know, fighting time, so to speak, or feeling that you're not completing things, that, that you'll get to a certain point, but it, find that completion stage difficult, then that is actually causing a stress as well. So it's it's really great when we explore it because often people just go to the traditional, more widely um, understood symptoms of anxiety, which is the rapid heartbeat, the sweating, um, et cetera. Um, but all of these subtle layers of anxiety that, that we've become used to, to go, okay, my body's simply showing me if I'm always feeling that I'm um, time poor, that I'm living with a stress and I'm living with an anxiety or that's putting pressure on my body as well. So by breaking it down in, into bits, um, it might be difficult to look at your whole day. That might feel like it's too much, but then that's no problem. Just start working with your morning. And when you wake up, and, and just from this conversation, by checking in when you wake up tomorrow morning, do you wake up feeling refreshed? Do you wake up just in that moment with yourself or, you know, putting your hand even on your heart and going, yeah, is my heartbeat just normal or is there a rapidness there? Is there a sense of me feeling I'm holding, embracing my body, ready to tackle the day, ready to get out of bed, ready to go through everything I need to, getting myself ready, kids ready, whatever that happens to be. So just in that, if we start very much at the basics of when you wake up tomorrow, have a, have a bit of assessment. When we were talking last time in the podcast, you know, encouraging you to take notes, um, to have a book with an exercise book or something for this program and start doing that self-reflection so you can start to feel, yeah, how is my body when I wake up in the morning? Am I feeling settled? Or do I have these symptoms of anxiousness that perhaps have been there for a while, but I'm just not aware of it? I think that's such good advice because it... Um becoming really aware of how of, our, of the state we're in is the is the is the first step to really assessing where you are from a stress perspective um, and if you notice these the physical tension in the body um, if you notice that perhaps the adrenalines might just be drip feeding you a bit of tension if you're rushing to work uh, for example and the adrenaline's running if you're a bit anxious when you're getting to work um, because you're feeling the physical tension in your body um, that's all oh, there's muscle tension, you're getting headaches more often. It's a really good sign that there is something perhaps perhaps you're pushing yourself a little bit too much. And Katie, you said before um, about we often try and overriding these symptoms. And I'm just wondering if anyone, any of our listeners um, often do this, and I know I've been guilty of it in the past, is if you're at your desk, you're trying to push through perhaps a project, you're on a deadline, and you your body might start to feel tired, your eyes might be tired, your back's a bit sore because you've been sitting at your desk. And so instead of perhaps taking a break, often what we do is we go, oh gosh, I can't concentrate or I can't focus, I'm going to get a coffee or I'm going to get something to sort of help me push through. And I don't think at the time 
we often know that what we're doing is actually adding more tension to an already stressed out system. And when we make those choices over and over again, when we continue to push through and we kind of try and override or take um, a tablet so we can get rid of the headache so we can continue working, we're actually starting to override um, and make an already tired body or nervous system that little bit more stress. So we're kind of upping out or, or reducing the threshold or the space we've got to, to actually cope with that stress and our mind starts to get tired. So it's a real cumulative effect that, mm. that, that having an awareness around can be so powerful because you can start to, um, as you say, reflect on it, note it all down, but also start to make different choices. So instead of perhaps grabbing another coffee, it's like, hang on, I'm feeling really tired. What's going on here? I'm just gonna get out of the office for 15 minutes. We'll have lunch outside. And just start to break up that cycle where we keep pushing through and add to that kind of stress response being activated constantly. Yeah, because exactly as you say, it has such a ripple on effect. So if we are continually to do that, it's just like, you know, our glass is full. And then when we're in that stress stage, it's burning through so much more fuel. Um, and and then mm. that's accumulating. So we're going to look for fuel outside of ourselves if we're not caring for our body to the level it needs, reading its messages that it's giving us, then we will look for the fuel outside, fuel being sugary foods, um, alcohol, stimulants, salts, um, whatever that happens to be, to try and get a fuel source. So, you know, and it's not saying it's easy at times when we're all living in, in the pressures that we have, but it's, it's really beautiful starting to build that relationship with yourself going, okay, it's not that I'm just lacking willpower as to why I'm not able to resist the chocolate at three o'clock in the afternoon. You know, and people often beat themselves up because they'll think, oh, you know, I said this week was going to be my week, I'm not doing it. And then we get into this negative relationship and, and kind of dialogue with ourselves when actually our body's starving because it's exhausted, it's overwhelmed, it's anxious and it's stressed. Well, not if all of those ingredients has got some of them, then it, we will be going to our vices, being numbing out with TV at night. And when yes. we said, I wasn't going to watch that program, I wanted to go to bed early, and here I am sitting again and again. Well, people have been really commenting that um, even those that weren't addicted to social media have really started to be looking at their, their news feeds more regularly and getting distracted with things. Well, again, that's that's a that's like a stimulant because you're distracted from your body and how your body's feeling to then focus on those other things. So that's actually no different to eating chocolate or eating something that's giving us a mm -hmm. distraction so that we're not having to feel actually I'm tired or I'm not feeling settled within myself. Yes. Yeah, that's so true. It's, um, and it's interesting how, um, I like what you said about how we kind of beat ourselves up. So if mm -hmm. perhaps yesterday you had three cups of coffee, or you know you went home and had two glasses of wine and you're like oh gosh I, you know i didn't need that i think what we're saying is just be aware of it and go okay well that's what i did so maybe tomorrow i'm just going to have one cup of coffee so it's not about necessarily depriving but it's just being aware that i hang on three cups of coffee hang on i start to get wound up it kind of makes me feel tense it adds to the tension I'm feeling, um, for example, or you know, having that extra glass of wine at night might affect my sleep. So I'm waking up more tired and then a little bit more stressed. So it's just yeah, exactly. about yeah, about being aware of it and then also but also being kind to yourself and going, well, I am human. Look, occasionally I'll I might have too much of this or I might have watched that TV show as you said, and um, and just being also being kind to yourself during this period because the more we hard on ourselves, we just add to tension that's already there. Yeah, it's like a never ending wheel, right? And and what what's great with what you're saying is that it's starting to clock and observe your patterns. And we did we did present this last week. We're just building on that to go, what is your relationship with your body? Rather than going straight mm. to that frustration. It's like, you know what, it actually makes sense that I feel like having another glass of wine tonight because I found it really stressful in that meeting and I didn't express what I wanted to, I held back and now I'm feeling the tension of holding back and not expressing, so I'm wanting something to numb it. 
I mean, and it, it, it's cool to have that first step. It's not about if you have at this stage that second glass of wine. I'm just using that as an example. It's mm. that awareness that you're developing to clock what it is that's happened in your day to make you want that second glass of wine. And that's where the healing starts. Regardless of whether you have it or not, you've already initiated your healing and gone deeper with your well-being and the balance in your life by clocking where the tension is and then what you're going to. And then you just keep working with the pattern. You'll see different things. It's like you start to realise, and that's why we are our own healers. We can only do it ourselves. We can get support, absolutely. But you know how many self-help books are out there, how many different programs, how many different diets, you know. It, it's like it's simple, but if it was easy, we'd be doing it because we're wanting to do it. So we've got to work with ourselves and see how we're sabotaging and then bringing that understanding and that love that you're talking about, Sam, to go, ah, it actually makes sense and I don't have to fight myself and it's actually not about willpower. It's about supporting myself more so that I'm not going through my vices. Yeah, that's so, so true. Um, I was just going to talk about the, the stress response and all the fear response even because when stress is happening, um, often people ask me, I'm not sure if you get the same questions too, but they ask, well, what's the difference between stress and anxiety, for example? And I often talk about the fear response or the stress response, that flight or fight response that we that you may get, um, for example, that operating at a normal level if you're in the street, you're being chased by a vicious dog, for example, your heart will start to race, adrenaline will pop around your body, it will give you more oxygen, so you're able to then run if you need to, freeze, so keep motionless, or turn and fight. Um, and that's a really normal response. So when there's an immediate danger, that's really normal and something that that you want to happen, so it protects you. But I think with the stress we're talking about and the anxiety we're talking about is when that stress response starts to activate in when there is no obvious immediate physical danger for example, and that can is what can happen if you're lying in bed or you wake up during the middle of the night, you're busy at work and you start to think about that project that might be running late or how you're going to get through all the work, how you're going to meet that deadline or what about the kids, are they performing well at school? And usually along with those thoughts, the stress response is activated. So I was just keen for your thoughts on, on that, Katie, because we've talked about the physical side, but what, what is it that fuels then the worries or how does that work? And often it's, it exposes our patterns of con control, how controlling, you know, we generally are in life and don't even really, really reason, realise, sorry, and you might be someone that says, actually, I'm not that controlling, but it's, it can be quite subtle as well. Mm -hmm. So then when things outside of our so-called control happen, that's often when your anxiety gets triggered. So it might, mightn't feel, you know, there's so many different variables that are happening. I'll just bring it practically. I remember um, having my mum to stay and, you know, when, you, when you're little, you're only seeing certain perspectives of your parents and, and she's an awesome woman. But having her here for the few days, I could see for the first time her level of anxiety. And I didn't know that growing up. That was just mum, right? And it, it was quite severe. So I started, you know, just gently referring to it. And she said, yeah, no, I can feel like get anxious. But what had happened was she was so used to living with that intense anxiety, that that was her normal. And I had to say, you know, well, mom, it's not actually normal to feel you need to go to the bathroom, you know, every half an hour or 40 minutes, whatever it was, I, you know, for to be waking up and stressing about having to drive just 10 minutes down the road, et cetera. So, as you know, it was very gentle conversation, but it was really eye-opening for her because she was so used to that. And then she started saying, do you not have that? Do you not experience that? And I said, look, I might experience other things, but know that there is a way to live where you don't have to be in that intensity. And then she started to really work with it. So, you know, that, that's what we're saying at the beginning of the, the session, the call, was that often our normal, um, just because we're so used to it, we're not realizing it but then it becomes exactly like you're saying, it's not just triggered by certain things, there's an underlying current that we've become used to. Um, and that could just be a stressful period at work that's triggered it. And, and it could just be one project that you had to deliver on. 
and you had to really, you know, you were really pushing yourself and then your care for yourself started to drop and then you might have had other tendencies that started to come in to try and get you through it and then your body's used to that and then you just kept pushing, pushing or it could be a promotion and your level of care for yourself really wasn't at the level that was needed to be consistent so that you didn't get stressed because whenever there's a change in life, you know, a new, a new child coming in or a promotion or a geographical move or kids starting school or whatever it happens to be, there's adjustment that happens within our rhythm of our life. Um, and if we're not then feeling that and feeling our body starting to go, yeah, I'm getting tense in the morning, I didn't used to have that, or I'm getting tense at night, then if we're not adjusting accordingly to go deeper with how we are in rhythm with ourselves, with our family, and that means just preparing for the day or for the evening, then that in itself creates a, an anxiousness or a tension in the body. Yeah. Often, often we expect a lot from ourselves. We think, yep, we can do the promotion, we can do this, we're invincible, etc. until we get to this stage that there is an epidemic and people are saying, look, I'm seeing it in my kids younger and younger. And those kids are observing us as, as adults and picking up our behaviours as well. Yes. And I think um, people also can be a, a, a bit bewildered. You talked about your mum sort of not being aware of her level of anxiety because she was just so used to it. And that's a really common a common thing. And, and also people, when the anxiety gets super severe or the anxieties, are the, the symptoms are really severe and they can manifest in other things like panic attacks or anxiety attacks, a lot of people are bewildered because they have had a certain level of stress that they've dealt with for such a long time and when they get more severe symptoms they can't understand what's going on because they're so they've been experiencing it for so long that they, they're unable to have the perspective on the stress that they've been experiencing to go oh gosh hang on this is not normal or actually these stressful events in my life that perhaps have caused this originally have it dissipated or i'm taking on too much and there's a reason why my body's reacting like this I find that when we talk about stress and anxiety, we often talk about mental health, but often the the, the stress and the anxieties we experience and the body's and the, the physical symptoms of the stress can often be a sign to tell you to slow down. Um, if we if we if we sort of let ourselves listen to it and not dismiss it just as something or our thinking's gone astray, for example, where we're just experiencing anxious thinking. It's usually our body's way of telling us, hang on, Sam, for example, you know, you've got too much going on at work. You're taking on too much. You just can't do it. Or you're constantly thinking about work. Um, and, and that's, I find, a good way to, to start looking for help to try and change things. Mm, yeah, beautiful. And that leads us into the next area where we can look at how can we start to practically support ourselves more when we are feeling stressed, et cetera. And, and just what you were saying, it could be even, you know, a traumatic situation happened growing up or even a family environment that we were growing up in and you learnt your coping strategies for that. And then as we develop as adults and take on more responsibility, promotion, extra baby in the household, whatever it is, it's like your body goes, you know what, those strategies that you've been using, they're not going to cut it now because you're over, you know, you've reached that boiling point, so to speak. So then what do we do? Do we just keep pushing ourselves or do we start to reassess, ask for more help, um, reach out to our support network? And, you know, it, and it's a lot of people have trouble asking for help because you have to be very vulnerable in that. And we've got this perfectionist thing that gets in the way versus, you know, what we are actually here to help each other. We can't actually do it all. Yeah, you know, the, the saying, it takes a village to raise raise a family, kids, it is true. And it adds a richness when we are open to that support, um, be it if financially we can afford to pay for that support or if we can't, um, looking at, and often we look in the places where it's more comfortable for us to ask. You might think, well, I'm not really getting supported, but going beyond that and going, well, that's just comfortable for me, but actually, you know, I know this person, they'd, they'd be available and, and willing to support, et cetera, and that might enhance that relationship, but it requires that vulnerability to look outside the square as well um, from a support point of view. But I'd love to just ask everyone on the call, um, please pop your questions in. 
because um, we, we can give that some focus now. If there's anything in particular that's come up for you as we've been talking, um, please feel free to offer that and then we as, can... Um, as you say that, Katie, we, we do have a, um, a question actually. Um, Chris has asked, in, in terms of pushing through, um, the solution um, is to always exercise and I need to get out and run or hide, but I then put myself more behind in terms of the things I do. So I think that it's really around, I, I want to exercise, I, I try to push through, so I, I try and exercise just so I can sort of maintain a bit of balance, but then I've, I run out of time to do the other things that I need to do. Is there any advice for that? Yeah, and there's, a, there's an adjustment period that happens. Like if we're used to doing a certain thing every day, and then we're introducing something else, there does need to be that adjustment. And often people who are doing what you've just said um, will say, look, I, I know I need to continue doing this, but I am feeling like I'm falling behind. And then it's just sticking to it. And then you start to might find that you're actually waking up a bit earlier in the morning once you crack the back of it, so to speak, and yep. then it becomes more your normal. There is definitely the transitional stage that you're talking about which often we'll either continue with or that's when we go, oh, it's too hard, and then we're back to feeling like we're beginning again. So, you know, it's just a yeah, value way. Yeah. yeah, go for it, Sam. Sorry, Katie, I was just going to say, um, I think it's, it's so true. It's when we, when we be, become aware that we're anxious or stressed and, and we're trying to do the right things, I think it's great to do exercise. Um, and exercise in itself is a great way to help disperse the adrenaline, the excess adrenaline we have in our bodies. So it can actually help um, just manage the stress that we're feeling or the anxiety, generally speaking, because it helps disperse the excess adrenaline. If you have excess adrenaline in your system, that can fuel negative thinking. So it's a good thing to, to maintain if you can. But what you're saying also, um, Katie, I think is good advice is also trying to find someone you can talk to. It might be a coach, it might be a counsellor, um, someone where you can get out of your own head a bit and use as a sounding board to go, okay, listen, I really like the exercise. I really enjoy it. It's helping with my stress, but then I run out of time to do everything else that's going on in my life. And often when you start to talk about it with someone, you, get, you can start to find opportunities or people can help you see opportunities to perhaps reduce a couple of small things in your life that um, are causing you to feel that you have no time. Um, and it can also help you reframe what you're doing. So you might be able to slow life down a little bit more generally, just to try and take the pace of everything to help with clarity of thinking. Um, because if we're trying to think about it on our own, we get in our own head, we think about it over and over again, we, we, it's very hard to sometimes become clear, especially when we're tired or our mind is tired on what, what next steps can really help us start to reduce our stress levels. So exercise is a great tool, but also I think speaking to someone is also really great. And, and, and you know, if you, you are feeling stressed, little tips like avoiding too much sugar, avoiding too much caffeine, avoiding um, things like the stimulants that are adding and making things difficult are always all great tips as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, talking to people and then also um, if we use that example, which is great of not feeling like you have the time for exercise and for you it may be exercise for someone else that might be, um, you know, doing paperwork or administration from the home point of view and that's stressing them that they're not getting on top of it. So if, if we're looking at feeling time poor, then it's saying, again, to, to your partner or whoever you happen to live with, whatever your arrangements are, how can we share those responsibilities a bit more so that I'm able to do this? And then likewise, they're able to have that time as well. So working in partnership, whatever arrangements are, so that um, we're not duplicating tasks as well and that we're supporting each other with whatever it is that we know to free up some time which will help with our stress. For someone that might be going to a, a meditation session every week or yoga or exercise or um, whatever it happens to be so what yeah exactly that working together so that there is more opportunity to have that space for yourself is really important yeah. mm. we've got a few more questions um katie one on social anxiety so there's a question around what to do if you develop some you have some sort of social anxiety when you're going to client meetings 
mm. presenting to compliance can be difficult anyway. Um, and you know, especially there could be pressure to get a client to onboard to your business, for example. So any thoughts on that? I agree. I'm so pleased. Thank you for putting that forward. Because whether it's public speaking, whether it's um, having to present at a, at a meeting, engage in new relationships professionally, whatever it is, it's very rare to find someone that hasn't been uncomfortable at some stage of that process. So the first thing that's so supportive is to go, you know what, yeah, I am socially awkward or I do feel awkward in these situations or I'm anxious and not fight it. You know, there's a societal thing of, you know, we have to have it all together. Where does that come from? That actually doesn't exist. So it's actually showing that you've got a real depth of sensitivity and, and you, you, you know, by presenting this, it's, it's opened up the door for, for everyone else on the call to get to know what, where do you feel awkward socially? Where do you feel like you have to be the one that makes everyone feeling good or okay or bring it all, et cetera? And in that, you're getting to know yourself more and therefore, the key about it, which is so very cool, is you get to understand where you can support yourself more. Because for me too, I've had to work through some of these aspects and, and I realised the pressure I was putting on myself and then when I was more honest, going, actually, this situation, I don't feel as comfortable as that situation. So then I'll go, how do I need to prepare for this situation where it, ta it taxes me a little bit more? And I would, I'd make sure I had my research there or... Um, I'd be, you know, super prepared beforehand, making sure I had set my clothes the night before, etc. So to the best of my ability, I had the space that I needed that morning to prepare for whatever event it happened to be. And then you just see, you, you start to really respect that sensitivity and what it brings as well. And then what it brings to your client relationships, because we all have different ways. Comparison's a killer. It is an absolute killer. So very relevant to be talking about that in relation to anxiety and overwhelm because it, suddenly Absolutely. we can have this recording going on in our head where we're compare, comparing then automatically we start to doubt what we're presenting because we're thinking it's not good enough. So that personal relationship with you, starting to value what you're bringing, starting to appreciate your attributes and what you're bringing, you start to notice that you feel more solid within yourself in these public situations and relationship situations. Did you want to add anything on Sam? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think look, that's great advice. Um, we've also had another question around waking up in the middle of the night, which I know is a common one with stress worries, but not being able to calm the thoughts. Um, and that can then lead to feeling really tired, um, you know, feeling too tired to even get up and try and break up the thoughts or shake them off. Um, so someone's looking, so they're looking for tips on that. But I wanted to add, I think with both the, the worry about the client meetings and also worrying about all the thoughts, the stress and the worries that come perhaps during the night. The, the three things I recommend really is to try and look at why um, why these, these are perhaps triggers for you, perhaps why is um, the stress or worries that are coming during the night, why are they coming for you? What is it that's on your mind, for example? Um, what is it about a client meeting that you're worried about? You mentioned expectations, often we can Fear, have a fear of failure. So trying to really understand what it is, what are the stress and worry specifically? Is it work? Is it family? Just it's good to understand why, but then also be aware, as we've talked about earlier, the symptoms. So when you wake up at night, is it your heart that starts to race a bit? Is it the adrenaline start to pumping, uh, pu starts pumping that fuels your, your worried thinking? The same when you're in a client meeting, do you get sweaty palms? that feeling of needing to go to the toilet. Because when we're aware of the symptoms, we can start to say, okay, that's just anxiety. The anxiety or the symptoms of anxiety are just fueling my thoughts. So it's not necessarily the thought themselves that we have to be worried about during the middle of the night. We can, we can deal on a practical level with the situation later on. Um, but when we start to be aware that, hang on, this is just symptoms of anxiety that are making our thoughts seem more real, seem often um, worse than they are, we can start to then break up that cycle. The more awareness we have around it, we're starting to break up that cycle of worry and stress every single time. And the more we do it, um, we're starting to then, um, you know, make inroads and to reduce those stress levels. The other thing too is to, to try and calm the, the body physically. I think, Katie, you mentioned meditation. 
So it could be exercise, it could be doing some meditation or taking some time out just to slow things down. So you're really able to calm the body down, which then can also affect your thinking and start to reduce those anxious thoughts that are coming in. Mm, yeah, perfect. Were there any other questions Sam, coming in? Yes, there was a, a great question from Carly on, um, I'm just going through it. There's some people are, you know, working secondments. They're, um, they've got really pressing demand, uh, family demands. Um, people need to work. Some people need to work in the evening, trying to manage children, um, pick up drop off, drops off, drop offs at school or childcare. Um, and then often we can't be everywhere we want to be. So if we're at work, where we feel like we're neglecting our kids. If we're at home with the kids, we're neglecting our job. So that's, and we feel guilty about it. So there's a whole, that's sort of a real practical example of overwhelm that's going on. Perfect example. And um, many would be relating as you were reading that out, Sam. So thanks for the opportunity that's been presented with the question. And life does pull us in many different directions. So what if we focus on, yeah, I can't do everything that I want to do necessarily, physically, emotionally, with time, etc. cetera, um, but I can certainly be in this moment, wherever that happens to be. And our mind loves to filter in doubt or, you know, we're not good enough with certain things or we need to improve with certain aspects. But what if we just try to the best of our ability to not engage in that talk and instead say, but you know what I am, what I can do and, and what the opportunity here is to be in this moment to the best of my ability and bring all of me. And then that then leads to the next moment and the next moment and the next moment. And the thing is this actually works. And I, I know feeling pulled between work and family and time, etc. But working with yourself in that saying that right now if I'm, I'm aware with what's happening and I bring my all in that it leaves less room for all of that doubt that comes in and feeling all that I should uh, you know I should do this or I should do that well you know what I could do that but right now this is what needs my focus and then when you are with the kids they get to feel more a quality of you rather than the parent coming home feeling guilty I haven't been here for you so then they miss out on that 10 minutes you've actually got with them because you're feeling guilty so you're not actually connecting with them does that does that make sense Sam on a really practical level of where you know whether it's at work or wherever you happen to be the more you mm. foster that relationship then when you are with people and you are in the moment they get more of you absolutely um you know, this question on how do we calm thoughts has come up as well. And I think that's relating to all the life situations that we're experiencing. And I think what you said around just trying to be in the moment, we hear a lot these days about around mindfulness and meditation and um, how we just be in the moment, be fully present with who we are. If we can find a way to get to that point, and, and when we're in the moment, it stops us worrying about, what might happen in the future. So worrying about that client meeting or worrying about not being with the kids when I'm at work or worrying about or what's happened in the past, what I did in that meeting or what I said in that meeting or how I spoke to my kids the other night. When we're in the moment, we are able to fully accept the busyness of our situations. We're not, we're not thinking too much negatively about what might happen. We're not worrying about the past. And that's a really powerful place to be in because then we can start to move through the challenges in our life and we start to gain clarity of thinking where we can start to make clearer, calmer decisions that on a practical level will give us more time and space. And what those decisions are are individual for all of us, but my strong advice to everyone is to find a way to, to a way into the present moment or to start to move into moment by moment living that can be through meditation. As we said, it can be through exercise. It might start with a conversation with someone, a counselor, it could be a trusted friend to start to reorder things in your life and your mind to find out and understand why we have gotten to a point where we're quite stressed and feeling overwhelmed. But if we have that, goal to try and move into moment by moment living it can be a really powerful tool 
to start to make really great changes and help with those feelings of anxiety and stress. Yeah, and really appreciating your intentions. So if we look at that example we've torn between work, uh, kids, etc., you know, kids can suss out when you're not there, as can people in a meeting, etc. When you're when you're thinking of different things, just putting on the face as though you're present, but you're really occupied in your thoughts. And especially if we relate relate it to our relationship with kids, if they get five minutes of you being present, that makes up for hours and hours of not actually being present in the sense that it's not about volume of time. It's about, yep, I'm there. I'm hearing what you're saying, be it in a meeting or being in a family environment. I'm actually here. I'm connecting with you and you have my full attention. That's gold. And, and that's why, you know, you've got to appreciate your intentions and say, to the best of my ability, I'm going to be working on that to really block out these thoughts that we've been talking about. Anything that's negative and taking you away, it's like you've got to stop and go, why am I giving that my valuable time? My time is so valuable. Why am I letting that take my time and take my energy? I've got so many important things here, so I'm going to conserve that. I'm going to start blocking out and, and not engaging in that and start to bring it back to me right here, what does need my focus? And then you actually find that time does expand in that and you've got more clarity with what you're doing as well. And then you've got more of you that you can take home to your family or whatever you choose to do after work as well. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a few more questions, uh, Katie. Um, there's one, around generational gaps in parenting advice adding to the stress in life um, when i think i think parents or grandparents or parents talking to their new parent parents who are, who are their kids now um, there can be different ways of raising and bringing up kids but that can add to the stress in an environment obviously raising kids when we're working can be really difficult because we're busy but how how do you deal with that generational gap and how do you i guess speak to your parents um, who perhaps may have different ways, they raised you differently or have different thoughts on how they do things, but it's causing you stress. Have you got any thoughts around that? Yeah. I was smiling throughout you reading that whole question because I <laughs> don't relate to that on so many levels. It's, it's really funny. Um, and what I've learned through trial and error, through, through different families and situations and very different approaches to life in relation to parenting is, now you know it's about appreciating what that generation brings because it often will react and you know they were their best intentions are there and that's how they were raised but you can feel the lacing sometimes in our best intentions and how that can shut down kids as well so if we rather than going head to head in battle with that even though it doesn't appear that way that's the way it, you know it can feel at times is trying to bring that understanding to say that I appreciate what you're bringing because every generation offers so much in relation to raising our kids. But then also imparting why you're feeling to raise your kids in the way that you do. Often it's just, and I found that was really worked with breaking things down and then the respect that's needed. Because if you find that even though they are the best intentions that you're being, I suppose, um, you know, not being valued for your parenting style with your kids, then the kids are picking up on all of that. So it's as loving adults that we are identifying the benefits of, of that approach that's being presented by someone else in raising our kids, but then explaining and, and connecting and saying, yep, yeah, this is important to us. This is what we want to offer our kids. You may not agree with it. You may, may not feel that, but for us, this is really important. So it's having that respect. And, and just keep working with it. it. We have to express anything that we hold back. It's being felt anyway. Then you feel the tension, and especially in relation of talking about anxiety and stress. Well, that that just accumulates then. Mm, absolutely, and, and I think also um, it's good to know. It's good to it's good to know, especially with close family relationships. They can be the toughest to deal with because we have a lot of history with someone, especially our parents, and we value their opinion on many levels but so when we disagree it can be hard and I think it's good just to be aware of the stress um, and it's great um, that the questioner is aware of this stress because at least you're okay this is a, a stressful thing for me and so it's always good to try and address these things with your parents in 
in your calmer moments. So if you are able to, you know, you're doing a meditation or you've just done some exercise and then you're feeling calm, perhaps the kids are in bed, you might have a conversation over the phone or you might talk about it um, outside of a situation. So if, if, you're, if you're around your mum, for example, and she's telling your kids to do one thing and you're trying to tell them to do another, it's harder to have a successful outcome if you address it in the moment of a tense situation. If you're able to have the confidence and, and do this when you are feeling calmer, the outcomes are usually more productive and there's less chance that people will take it personally. There's yeah. also another question, um, Katie, that I thought we can try and squeeze in and, and I'm, I missed it before, so apologies, but it's, a, it's another great question. And it's around how do you not take on too much work in the corporate environment? And how do you t tell your boss that you've got too much work on without looking lazy or unambitious? I think it's such a good question. Yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. And then it can just it just keeps going and going because there's so much um, that corporations are being asked to complete now, even in relation to policies and procedures of, of best practices, etc. So you know we are going to keep expanding in relation to that, and there's so much that we can do. I find what's really helpful with that is that um, you know you're not wanting to compromise your quality of what you're delivering. And there does get that point where we can do so much and then the quality is compromised. So again, it's no different to what we were saying before about appreciating what is being offered with the parenting from different generations and then further um, developing what's needed now. And this is no different to that. It, it's saying, okay, this, if I can take that on, but then I won't have the time for this or the quality of that may drop or we might have to look at who can support with this project so that we're absolutely delivering what's required with our organisation to the standard that we want to. And you can only respect that. If an employee is coming to you that way, you go, whoa, you know, they do care. And, and again, it, it has to be legitimate what you're saying in your own way and in your own words. Um, but if it's coming from, you know, my objective here is, is that we're consistent in our delivery and the quality we're delivering and not wanting to compromise, then it's having those rational conversations to say, there's so much, so where, where are you wanting me to focus? What is the priority now? If something else gets added, then you know where's the priority of time, focus, et cetera, and what other resources may be needed so that there isn't a drop? And by having those, because often people don't know, I, and I was working with um, a colleague and people didn't realize how much she was doing. And she was very, very capable and she just keep doing it. And then we had to recruit that role and realizing how much she was actually doing, we decided to split the job up into two. Um, you know, and, and mm, you've got to say, yeah, we, don't want, we don't want our health to be affected. I'm not saying it needs to get to that stage, but often it is um, the same as what we're saying before is explaining, giving an understanding, giving a broad view, and then going, we want to be consistent with our quality and then respect comes from that. That's such good advice. And I, I was just going to add, I always like to provide the whole picture um, to um, a boss or my manager, whoever it may be, um, just, so, just so that they know what you're passionate about. So often when people find themselves they've got too much on, um, they when they have finally have the courage to have a conversation, and it can be a hard conversation, we just tend to focus on on what isn't working. But if you enjoy your job and you may enjoy certain parts of it or some parts of it, it's always good to talk about, look, I really love the role, this works great. Um, you know, I'd love to be able to do this task and this part of the role. Um, and so you, you're really showing your passion for being in the business, your, your passion for your work, but you're also being really clear that, well, I actually can't do both of these things at the same time. Mm. Um, and then you often push it back onto them. What do you think? Which one is the most important? Which one should we focus on first? So you're being really clear. You're being really confident. You're showing your passion for the business. You're also showing a really good understanding of what you're doing because you're clear on what the timeframes are with each piece of work, for example, um, they get a, they're getting the whole picture of who you are. Um, and, and that's really important when, when some bosses are less compromising than others, but if they're seeing that you're passionate about what you're doing, but you're also really clear on what you can and can't do, you're coming from a really strong position and um, bosses tend to then not take anything personally. Unfortunately, bosses like all of us have egos and we, um, 
and and don't always make the right choice sometimes as we all do but the more you're presenting it the full picture of what you're enjoying about your job what you love um, you're bringing your full self to the meeting and then you you're more likely to get, again get an outcome that is favorable to you and who knows what opportunities it might lead to as well we often forget to talk about what we're passionate about at work so these conversations initially just sort of reduce your workload can have really positive outcomes absolutely are there any other questions at this stage uh, yeah look there was just uh, another one um and i'm just scrolling through to find it what's the best way to switch off um we sort of touched on this but any sort of final words on that katie um, for someone who's working almost 24 7 or thinking about work 24 7 and who can't manage to turn their mind off what do you recommend well, what what if it's actually not healthy to switch off what if our body is actually designed in a way where it, it's wanting connection connection to yourself but i love what you're saying with the question it's like we actually get to that point where we want to switch off from the anxiousness or the stress or the pace that we've been living. So what if everything that we've been talking about last time and this time is about starting to live in a way where you don't feel the need to have to switch off to cope with life? Because we do. It, mm. Again, that's an epidemic. The switching off is an epidemic, but it's only because we're not we're denying who we are a lot of the times when we're working because we'll put on the hat of this is how I need to be as a teacher, this is how I need to be as a counsellor, this is how I need to be as a corporate executive. But hey, you know what, you're you and you can be all of those roles and bring more to those roles the more you, tr the more you are true to yourself and the more you are your authentic self, the better you're actually going to do in those roles because people go, you know what, you rock. I mean, who's, who's had teachers where you go and you think, oh, I don't want to sit through this class, this is just excruciating. And then you'll have another teacher who's funky or in the moment or very real and delivers things with a passion and you go, wow, I learned so much more in that subject. Well, that's because that teacher's being more of themselves, right? They've all done the basic training. They've all passed being mm -hmm. a teacher. Well, what's the difference then between the teacher who's just delivering the role as a teacher or the teacher that's being authentic to who they are and delivering in their own expression. It's like chalk and cheese, right? Yeah, so absolutely. what if we start to work in a way where yes, we're meeting the role, but that doesn't mean compromising who you are. And that's exhausting. When we do that, it is absolutely exhausting. It's like running three marathons in a day versus just walking through your day. It takes so much more energy to be how you think you should be versus just being. And I know that can sound like words, but it's oh, actually it's, it's so true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've and done that. Like, I've done that in the past too. Uh, I, yeah. It's so true. And then we can go, I'll switch off. Oh, thank God I can be me now. Great. So I've got <laughs> two hours of energy in my whole day how you know, our poor bodies, no wonder they get in this, no wonder they're exhausted. So why don't we you know, take the opportunity that we've all got to with the questions and where we're at to go, okay, this afternoon, I'm just gonna clock that. I'm just gonna see how I'm talking. Do I hold back? Do I choose different words? Cause I think I should. Am I trying to impress someone? Am I just allowing the flow with what I feel to focus on with my workload? Or am I going from fear going, you know, I need to do this or that instead. So start evaluating how you are at work, how you are in your relationships, because that all comes back to how you're going to sleep at night, how you're going to feel when you go home. It, do you feel like having that extra glass of wine or not? All of that's contributing to whether you feel you need to check out, check out or, hey, I had such an awesome day today because I felt more of me in it that I don't feel the need to have to check out. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. That's great advice. Um, We've got one more question and we probably should just finish up on that one, I guess, just looking at the time, but it was another follow-up question on um, the social anxiety and, and, and in that client meeting when you're worried about, or you might freeze up during a client meeting, you're worried about freezing up. When we have an experience um, like that, that's anxiety related, often what can come in, there can be the anticipatory anxiety so worrying about it will happen again 
And I think it's a really good question because when we, with anxiety and, and things like panic attacks, or we're worried about freezing up, especially in regard to things like public speaking, we're worried about what might happen. And, and that anticipatory anxiety can be quite hard to deal with because we're constantly thinking about it. If a meeting comes up or a meeting's put in the diary or the event's gonna come up soon, it can be tough to deal with. And often um, the symptoms of anxiety can start to manifest just by thinking about it, just by thinking about that event that was difficult for you or difficult to deal with. So the question is, how do you prevent that from happening? How do you um, stop the anticipatory fear of something happening? And my thoughts are on that is to really, um, the, the good thing is with it, that you've got an opportunity to practice. So when, when, if you're thinking about an event that's coming up, perhaps a difficult client meeting, and you're worrying about freezing at it, your body doesn't know whether you're in the meeting or you're just thinking about it. So the symptoms you're getting when you're thinking about it are exactly the same symptoms that will come when you're in a meeting. So those are the symptoms you can practice with. And that's when it's really good to try and use different tools or techniques to try and help calm the mind and calm those physical symptoms. It might be going for a walk around the block to dissipate some of the anxiety. It might be, um, doing a guided meditation, going onto YouTube or an app and searching out a guided meditation for 10, 15 minutes and listening to that to see if it calms the mind a little bit. Um, it, talking to someone about it again can be a really good thing. It's the, sort of the sum of all the parts and, and seeing what works for you. But the more we can be aware of these symptoms um, and practice with them when they come up, try not to fight them, not run away from the symptoms, but just be with them when they're there. And we can do that when we're just worrying about an event that's coming up. We're actually getting practice and we're building our resilience and our ability to deal with it when we're in that situation that we're fearful of. Um, so it's really taking some time out to truly try and find out what works for you. And I always recommend trying to get some support with doing that. So speaking to someone who understands anxiety or panic, um, like myself or yourself, Katie, just so that that can help you get some perspective and some support whilst you're practicing with it. Yeah, exactly. Cause there's so much that can shift. Um, you know, you see people that, that are living, you know, some debilitated um, with what they're able to do. And then you see the shifts that they start to put in and, and then where they go um, with, again, it's transforming with what we can do. So again, mm. it's, it's not normal. So it's starting to look at and, and to get really loving with yourself um, and honest with yourself to go, what are my triggers? And if we look at what are some simple steps and if we finish on that um, with where to from here, start to observe what your triggers are. They're different for everyone. And sometimes they are um, ignited by a traumatic situation that may have happened in the past where you might've been really embarrassed or felt out of depth or whatever it is. And then other things in life trigger that certain social situations or work situations and exactly as you're saying Sam to actually say to yourself that it's not happening now so those those symptoms do come up in the body and that's where you can go but right now that's not supporting myself going into that because right now I'm okay right now there's no mm. no threats and then you can see how you can start to bring yourself back and the power of that support is great I love what you're offering with that, Sam. So working on that personally so that you can start to feel how you can actually come back in the situation. Or if you're so gone that we've overridden a lot of the um, symptoms, that's okay in itself. Just acknowledging that, saying right now I'm, I'm really in it, be it a panic attack or whatever the situation is, and just be super practical. Actually, I need to go and get a glass of water. I'm just going to walk down the hall because sometimes we're too far into it that we're finding it hard to bring ourselves back. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and these things are normal to experience. So if you are suffering from it, it is normal. But as you said, Katie, there are, you know, you can, you can recover from it. Um, mm. So, so, so don't despair. Yeah. And there's so much more we could talk about. This is just very much an, an overview opportunity. Um, hopefully you leave the call with, one thing or an aspect that might have opened up an insight for you that you can further develop yourself or revisit the recording and then next time which is on the 18th of april at 12 pm um, the next 
um, series, uh, session of this series is improving the quality of our relationships. So for that one, again, you do have to book into each one is separate and requires that booking. But um, yeah, really look forward to being with you all again at that stage. <laughs> Anything else from you, Sam? No, that's great. It's, I mean, thanks for all the questions. It was a really great discussion and we really appreciate your, all your input. I think it's a lot of questions that were asked were on everyone's minds, probably on most of our minds. So, so I really appreciate the discussion. It, it was a great session. Yeah, thanks everyone. <laughs>